Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. CBD dispensary, the first and only across the street from the old Kata House. We are going to jump into the rotation. <laughs> Cue the titles. Oh, shit. He screwed up the board, gay. See, don't try this at home. We are semi-professional. Yeah, the disclaimer <laughs> here is that I'm not a sound engineer or even really a podcaster. <laughs> I'm just a guy that owns a hemp store <laughs> and has been helping with normal for quite some time. And when you knock a table like that, <laughs> sometimes the wire falls out and I freak out a little bit. Okay. <laughs> then I'll try not to do that next time. Yeah. I'll just do, how about that? Yeah, we'll, we'll find something we can hit. You can like punch me in the arm or something. Oh, no, no, give me, give me an MMTC CEO so I can just punch him in the arm just once. <laughs> you, you, you pick one. I'll, I'll take it on. Does it have to be a him or? Anyways, my name is Gary. So I'm the political director here at Suncoast Normal with my executive director Chris Cato down here from the, the Beltway and uh, on vacation. I suppose actually it's a high school reunion, isn't it? Yeah, I had my 20th high school reunion uh, this weekend. So. It doesn't seem like 20 years has uh, gone by, but yes, I feel like the elder statesman walking around the town. <laughs> now, at my high school reunion, I actually took somebody else's name tag and put it on just to see if anybody would really recognize me and say, that's not you? But no one did that. Why is that? <laughs> and, and the guy I call Carlos, whose real name is Pedro, from what I understand, because he's running for mayor of Tampa, and I saw a vote for Pedro uh, t-shirt in his closet. He just started... Uh, <laughs> Calling me Pedro, and I don't think he realizes that Pedro's Mexican, and then I'm Cuban. No, I do. That's why I put you up with that. Anyways, we have some we have some special guests here that are brought to, right here today with our, by our executive director Chris. Absolutely, yo. So we have uh, Tiffany from Bliss Wellness Market. Uh, Tiffany, tell us a, a little bit about uh, Bliss Wellness and uh, what y'all do. Where y'all located? Hey, good morning. Yeah, so we're at Bliss Wellness Market. We're out on uh, North Del Mabry Highway, and uh, we are everything uh, cannabis, uh, functional mushrooms, and adaptogens. So a boutique uh, wellness environment, if you uh, if you will. I like to say we're the Nordstrom of the uh, hemp wellness world. Very nice, very nice. And then, of course, we have uh, another special guest on the show today, uh, Emily Elegato, a.k.a. the Ink Mistress, who you may have seen on uh, reality TV and such, a uh, master artist. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, well, we're glad to have you. Uh, I'm glad yeah, to know that you're a real-life celebrity on my hands here, you know? <laughs> 
Usually, we have politicians on the show and whatnot. We like we like having real life celebrities. <laughs> they are just shallow. <laughs> Most of the time. We'll see how it goes, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, on today's show, we wanted to really uh, uh, dive into more about culture. You know, our show's really heavily on politics, and uh, Kansas culture is really what drives the motivation behind all the political work that we do. Because in the grand scheme of things, people just want to have a good time. They want to live well, um, and they want to express themselves. And, you know, Emily, there's no bigger self-expression than to, you know, utilize the body as its own art canvas. And I mean, you're a master artist at that. So what got you into uh, just you know, getting into tattooing in, in general and, and what inspires your art today? Um, you know, honestly, I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid. There's like the story in the family that um, six, seven, eight years old, Easter, everybody's finding the little eggs and they're filled with coins and fake tattoos. And I traded all of my coins for everyone else's fake tattoos and ran around the rest of the day covered in all kinds of funny things. So um, my parents knew they were screwed from then on. So um, but it, honestly, it took a really long time for me to... Um, find the right shop and get an apprenticeship and, you know, do it the right way instead of just, you know, buying a machine and, and hitting up friends and stuff. So um, went about it the safe route and I've worked really hard. I've been doing it for almost uh, 14 years now. That's awesome. You know, um, just looking at the type of just society that we live in today, uh, reality TV is such a big part of it. You had the opportunity to be able to, to have that experience in life. I mean, Tell us the, the, what we see on camera versus what's actually happening, cooking the sausage and making the show. How, how different is that, you know, the actual reality of the show versus what we get to see on the little box? It's, it's kind of funny. I always tell people the things that you think were probably the most scripted and the things that you think were probably the most natural are, in all reality, absolutely vice versa. There's not that anything was scripted, but, you know, the, it's, it, they're filming a TV show, so they're going to guide you into scenarios. They're going to put people that maybe you don't necessarily get along like their style, what have you. And, um, you know, so, so it's a guided tour of, of television. Um, I'd never call it fake. It was all quite real. There was a lot of real emotion in it. Um, it's also very stressful. It's, um, you, you said, you said having the opportunity to be on reality TV and, oh man, I, I look back on it and I honestly question whether or not I would do it again. Um, not because of filming necessarily, but because of the recompense of, and things that happened afterwards. Um, so was it a matter of integrity? I'm sorry, say it again. Was it a matter of integrity? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's um, it, it's all it's all quite convoluted. And I wish more people understood the reality of it. We do have a family friend whose son is a uh, an extra out in Los Angeles. And uh -huh. He was uh, on the uh, what was it called, my worst tattoo or something like that, where people talk about the worst tattoo they ever had. And uh, anyways, we found out later on that he was one of the ones they showed in some of the smaller clips. But his tattoos were actually drawn on. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like you said, you never know. Reality is real. What's fake? All right. I, what, what what is reality if, if not if not real? <laughs> Emily, I, I got a question for you. So, uh, how many? So, I know this is going to be like a really huge fucking number, okay? But if you had to estimate, maybe like 10,000, 50,000 tattoos, how many have you done in your career? 
I, you know, I try to ballpark it somewhere between 10 and 20, I think would be a healthy estimate. Um, 20,000, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, of that, um, per, of that, of that number, what percentage were like marijuana related tattoos? Almost, almost none. Almost none? I think I've, honest to God, I think I've Whoa. done maybe one little bud hidden in something. Like it was, really? I've never really, it, there isn't much of a call for it. I don't, yeah. I wish there was. I know a lot of people that do really great um, tattoo, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, cannabis related tattoos, uh, microscopic views and all that kind of stuff, really cool work. But me personally, I just never had the opportunity. That is, um, a, that is an interesting thing for you to say. And it, it's actually like a part of the reason why I'm happy to have Tiffany on the show today. Is because that, that honestly uh, shows that there's like a lack of like, when people go to a tattoo shop, right? And they're like, oh, I want a fucking heart, or I want this symbol, right. or I'm, I'm drunk and I'm hammered and I love this symbol or whatever, right? Uh, the, the or, or, you know, they, they put a lot of thought into their tattoo. There's, there, there's also those tattoos where like, you, you study the tattoo for like years and you like, really put your thought into it and you consult with several artists and you do this whole thing, mm -hmm. <clears throat> right? But I really feel like the tattoos people get is like a representation of our culture. It's like what's popular, what what what's yeah. what's in the now of our culture. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That there is not that many like marijuana tattoo things. And I think it's important for people like Tiffany to be around to like really spread this culture that we're here to promote. Now I think you know? that uh, you need to come over here and give Carlos a tattoo of a. Delta 8THC molecule. Go <laughs> <laughs> for it. We'll set something up. Yeah, yeah I'm down. I like tattoos. I, I saw your, your you know, a lot of your work on your Instagram and, like, like on your Twitter and whatnot, your Facebook. Um, and you do really good work. You really do. Oh, and, yeah. you know, me, me and Ken, I haven't, I, 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 I will admit that I haven't watched uh, Ink Master's show. You don't um, have to, but, really. But me, me, me and Kano did some, some research a little bit before the show. I heard him talking to you about it. And yeah, it, it's you, you do some really, really good art. And it's true that from a little bit I heard, like when you were saying, like you're really known for doing any style of tattoo. So that's kind of, that's kind of a good thing to hear, um, at, at least to gauge how marijuana and culture are being done because I mean you do it all you know right. anybody can come to you for a tattoo yeah if, yeah absolutely. if I want a pot leaf I can get you to do it you know absolutely. or if I want some cool intricate bud or whatever if I mm -hmm. want the the you know this uh whatever this fucking thing tattooed on me, that fucking thing tattooed on me. right you can do that <laughs> are you gonna get we may have injecting marijuana into someone. <laughs> That's what that poster said. Yeah, we've, <laughs> as long as we include that spelling, I'm all about it. <laughs> I have to wonder if, like, you know, tattooing was as big back in, like, the, the Reefer Madness days, because, like, people were, like, you know, getting, like, Reefer Madness tattoos. I, I think like, every Louis Armstrong had like a little, little, little cannabis bud. <laughs> I mean, it's just like now everybody knows somebody that's got like a little weed re related tattoo of some kind, you know. Um, but here, here's the thing the only reason that I don't think that um, they're as popular as we would want them to be, first and foremost, because I would love to tattoo 
cannabis leaves all day long, nothing would make me happier. Um, but I think it's, it's really, you know, we have to remember that it is on you for the rest of your life. And so if the government goes screwy Louie and decides to just full stop and reverse all of this, you know, God forbid, of course, and I don't even think that's fully possible, but as I'm saying it, you know, would you want to have that stamped on you? So I think that's kind of a part of it too. I think that limits a lot of the people being interested in that kind of a tattoo. Although I haven't really watched Masters, I'm pretty sure you haven't listened to the rotation. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so one thing, one thing I do want to point out is that one thing with the three of us that comes up a lot is religion. And uh, one thing that has like come into my mind is to, you know, I'm the atheist of the group. I don't believe in, in God or anything like that. And I have like this philosophy background. So like, I've always wanted to get a tattoo uh, that says God is dead, Nietzsche. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that's one thing that you're talking about. I never got it because I'm gonna shock that. I'm sure there's people listening or watching right now uh, that are shocked to hear that I want to get guys dead on my skin. You know sure. what I mean? And, sure. and I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to have that conversation. And it seems like marijuana is still that thing in our society. People don't realize that Jesus mm -hmm. had a tattoo of the Virgin Mary on his back. <laughs> That's why he always wore the robe so nobody would see it. <laughs> Jesus was not from Tijuana. I'm pretty sure he was not that ever in Guadalupe. I think yeah, you should also get tattooed. You need to give uh, Carlos a tattoo that says "Not Pedro" across his neck. Uh, so, <laughs> so actually, I, I'd like to uh, put the spotlight on on Tiffany for a second. Here. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we've kind of like we got this like neat experiment going on where like we're we're really exploring into culture and we're doing it through tattoos and whatnot, and we're really finding out that cannabis is is still kind of stigmatized. It's you know. We, we get this whole, you know, I, I've got, you've got the store, your store, uh, Bliss Wellness, Tiffany, and I've got uh, Chillum over here, and I'm on the side of the road on 7th Avenue, and we're doing tabs, and we've got, like, all these pipes, and we're, like, all in your face and shit, and it's easy for people, like, that do what we do to kind of, like, forget, you know, like, because, like, I'm around marijuana all day. I'm around yeah. in some way or form, you know what I mean? Um, I remember, like, when medical marijuana didn't pass in Florida, like, it was 2014. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, everybody that I know wants to vote for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so we're really I, stuck with the, with the hard task here, and I just want to hear your thoughts of, like, how we can promote it and how we can keep going and, yeah. and, and really what normal is about, you know, how normalizing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the last six months and really Delta 8 in Florida has blown things up. We specifically opened the store originally more like in North Tampa because of the aging population that was there. And we were really um, afraid to have kind of flour and some of the smokables that it would be a turnoff to the local community. And I, I think COVID just flipped everything upside down and people looking for like, hey, I don't I don't trust things anymore. I want to take in control. If there's something natural that is going to help me sleep, that is going to calm my kids, that it's going to give me a break from the four kids I got at home trying to teach and do whatever, I'm open to whatever it is. And it has been such a 180 from that standpoint. Our, our store, we've got a full flower bar, um, you know, 
HHC, THCO, THCV, every combination that we can come up with and everyone's open to it. Um, you know, I work really closely now with mothers and they're like, look, if you can get my kid off of this medication and this medication and this medication, I will try anything that is natural um, and, and really like has more belief. So, you know, I, I, I think it is definitely changing and it's just more about getting people to talk, to talk about it instead of it like being kind of like a hidden secret. I mean, I'll tell you what, it tickles me so much on Friday nights. I get 60 year old couples that have never tried THC marijuana before. And they're like, Oh, but I just like this drink or this edible and it's great. And this is our date night is them coming, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is THC. Oh, well, okay. That's, that's great. If it makes me feel this way, you know, it's fantastic. So it's, it's like one little piece at a time, but the last six months I, I think is, um, really exploding, uh, you know, exploding things. And that's really why we were excited to partner with Emily for the upcoming Bill and Arts Tattoo Convention. You know, just women in, um, you know, in the industry, she created some artwork for us um, uh, advertising our Cannibalist Lounge at Tattoo Convention. And um, all the proceeds from the sales of the uh, stickers and bags are actually all going out to um, the uh, Suncoast Normal. So just raising awareness from a visual perspective. Thank you so much um, for the generous donation um, for, for both of you all putting this together and contributing to the culture. And, you know, Tiffany, that's that's part of it is is the, the culture has been able to move forward and into the mainstream because of, of people like yourself, uh, because of people like Carlos, who as entrepreneurs are taking, you know, really big risks uh, to come in this and, and normalize the sector. And I mean, we were just setting up here on the show earlier, and, like three TPD officers walked by and we waved at them. You know, and if you could tell me 10 years ago, that would be a reality. I'd call someone a bold-faced liar. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we were at a Gasparilla Music Festival for three days and then out at Oktoberfest at Curtis Hickson Park and lighting up everywhere. They let everybody light up and we talked to the cops and they're like, look, what you're doing must be legal or you wouldn't be out here, you know, selling it and smoking it. And, you know, That's we don't know the difference from one or the other. And, you know, so they, they, they went with it, no complaints at all whatsoever it was uh it, it was really uh pretty pretty cool to experience yeah i i also want to make a comment that i like to see you know you guys you guys uh tiffany just made a comment that you know, women promoting women in the industry and that is a great thing i just i remembered right away emily i saw on your show the first comment i saw from the man was like oh she uses her looks to be better at tattooing and it's like yo those two like have nothing to do with each other like mm -hmm. i saw your tattoo working before i saw your face and i was like oh she's good <laughs> you know and it's got to be difficult because this guy's obviously and then and then he goes on some like weird i don't uh, you know if, he, if you're watching right now whoever you are i'm, I'm sorry but he goes on this weird, weird raid about like how he was like this this realist artist and now he's going into surrealism and I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a natural progression and you're kind of just hating on a woman and well, it's a matter of aesthetics, you know? If Sheldon Adelson was a tattoo artist and he stripped down to his speedo and showed off everybody's tattoos and then tried to get customers that way, would he be more successful than her? 
what he well, you know, and let's remember that Sheldon Adelson had a very close resemblance to Yoko, to uh, what is that? Why, why would he get naked and have that too? <laughs> I am just saying it's aesthetics. It's not so much, you know, a, a, a sexual thing as it is an aesthetic. I got you, I got you, I got you. Is it, is it, is it? Sheldon Addison made gross? Well, <laughs> he has a very close relationship. He donated billions of dollars just keeping marijuana from being legal. Yes, it's gross to me. Well, yeah, yeah, but he, nothing he, more gross to me. He also has a resemblance to Jabba the Hutt. I'm picturing all these anti-marijuana tattoos all over Sheldon at like he takes off. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a note of pot. He's got, he's got the he's dare got, line. He's got like, like a pot leaf with like the, the line strike through on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tiffany, one thing that concerns me um, in all of this, you know, of us normalizing the cannabis culture is, uh, like you said earlier, how, how swiftly the, the winds have changed, you know, right now they're flowing in a positive direction. Um, a lot of the things that you, that, that you all are doing as shop owners are regulated by the Department of Agriculture because we have our first, you know, woman uh, commissioner of agriculture in Florida, mm -hmm. and we've seen this progress. You know, Nikki Free mm -hmm. gets it. And, and, and I'm concerned that, you know, she's running for governor, and, and I don't exactly know who's going to step up that has that positive outlook that's going to treat this. You know, I'm worried that we're going to get some good old boy to step in there, and, and we're going to press reverse really hard, really fast. Does that concern you? And if so, what, what do you think we can do um, as a culture and as a movement to, to you know, continue down the path we're on? Yeah, Nikki Freed has been, um, yeah, amazing. Amazing. You know, Florida is such an interesting state. I mean, we're as, like, unique as you can can get. I mean, uh, you know, we're basically leading the country in medical marijuana sales. And, you know, you hear how, you know, Florida is a hybrid. I, I feel like, you know, they really want to benefit from both and keeping the public happy, keeping the money coming in from the medical industry. But, you know, I, I think Florida has set the tone for the rest of the country with some of their labeling requirements, some of their um, packaging. Um, you know, d distributors had to change everything they did to actually sell to Florida. So, you know, I'm hoping some of those measures um, and, and legwork that is done, you know, there's special licenses that you can have in Florida that are not required, but, you know, so maybe they make those be, be required from now on, you know, to sell hemp, but that the, you know, the progress will, will continue because of that leadership role I think Florida has taken in terms of the rest of the nation, um, you, you know, even, I mean, it wasn't a year ago that tons of hemp manufacturers across the country had to redo all of their packaging to fit with Florida's standards that were, were the, the strongest in the entire country. So why would we want to go backwards? The state's making lots of money from the setup that we have. Um, you know, there uh, hasn't been, uh, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of issues. So, you know, I'm hoping as we understand the hemp plant more and more and all the unique cannabinoids and, you know, what do you do for happiness? You know, you use CBC, you know, as it gets even more beneficial to everybody and, and it, people understand it more, that we'll just continue in this sort of hybrid fashion, at least. 
Well said, Nikki Free for Governor. I think that's, that's where you <laughs> go. Well, that's my thing. It was like, we need to find an agricultural commissioner. You know, mm-hmm. the governor has no no real power over what y'all do right now. You know, yeah. the governor doesn't affect Bliss Wellness day-to-day operations. He doesn't affect Chillum, yeah. but the commissioner of agriculture does. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's scary, but I mean, I, just, I don't know. So, <laughs> who's running for agriculture? Yeah. Well, what, you know, it's about that time when we talk about politics on the show, so it's time for our moment of clarity. so much better of an intro than the one you had before, which I know darn well you are not going to play now, right? What, this one? You see how proactive I was? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to erase that. You, gotta, stop you, you see how proactive I was? Just I gotta tell you, Pedro, that was just... <laughs> It's more like I'm willing to live without. <laughs> but uh, let, let, let's get to the brass taxes last week. There was actually a, a, a extra movement in the Department of Health in that they actually published the rules, just the rules, uh, for the, ap- the applications for cannabis licenses here in Florida. After having so many years, it's been four now since they already said that they were going to have four more after they had 300,000 and all that bit. And of course, one license for the black farmers. And yet they hadn't done it for a long time. And this week they actually did put out the rules and the application, which is 70 pages, and uh, the scorecard as the how you need to score. What is not in those three documents is the when this is actually going to happen. It does say it's going to be a five-day period, but they don't say when it is ever going to be, which is, I guess, uh, not real surprise because it's already being challenged. And let, let me explain exactly why it is. Well, first off, we need to talk about why they had a one single license for the black farmers. At the very beginning, we were talking about that with this industry. And when it first started out was with the SB 1030 in, in 2014, only had about 20,000 patients who could possibly fit the bill for, any, for anybody who's coming into the business. And yet they set up this whole situation where you had to have at least 400,000 plants and be in the nursery business for 30 years and put out an application fee for $60,000 and have $5 million in the bank as a performance bond. Mm. And uh, for that, all that for a one-fifth share of 20,000 patients as your entire customer base. Mm. Uh, I think you'll agree that it'd be kind of hard to, to uh, break even, possibly yeah. for five, six, seven years. Yep. So the question was why was there are actually 28 employees, 28 applications in the first place with such terrible restrictions and that business which would obviously fail. That was because they were forward thinking and they realized it won't stay this way. Eventually, it'll become a medical market and eventually there'll be a free market and they will continue to move forward. Free they, market. That's what, that was the original intention. Who lied to us and told us it was going to be a free market? Oh, there was a whole bunch of them. Was it Matt Gates? Yeah, no, that yeah. was one of them. Yeah, all those guys in the corporate who were talking about free market issues and things of that sort. But I don't believe anything the Florida GOP says when it comes to saying it's a free market because nothing in Florida seems to be free. As much as they want to 
regulate cannabis and regulate what we put in our bodies. They want to regulate what women do with their bodies. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel the, the freedom uh, uh, here in Florida so much. So the question is, is this the line? You can shoot somebody and they come on their property. That's the only freedom you really got in Florida is to shoot someone who steps on your property. And that's Capital doctrine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like lots of meth in Florida, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that's a <cool> <laughs> Mostly in the panhandle. <laughs> We're not that. But anyways, we've been waiting for these extra uh, dispensaries to come online since there was a medical market because when 2017 came around, the law was made, they went ahead and set this whole process up to get more licenses in there. But by that time, they were, they were still working on the problems in the 2015 of applications. In fact, we worked, they went through the entire process where it ended up that 22 on those 28 were given a license, even though I would say at least 15 of them were not really ready to be able to grow cannabis in any way, shape, or form, either monetarily or with land use or things of that sort. So Gary, if I could summarize for our listeners, you're basically telling me that the legislature screwed the pooch in how they designed the system and implemented it, and then the bureaucrats screwed the pooch because, well, you know, when do bureaucrats not screw up in our country? And then, you know, uh, since they were all political appointments, they were all, you know, doing basically what the governor at the time, Rick Scott, was telling them to do. And, you know, then DeSantis comes in and, I don't know, um, he, he looks like a clean cut Harvard Navy boy, but I heard through the grapevine he smokes a lot of reefer in Congress. That is very, very possible. I mean, I, that makes a lot of sense as far as the, the House is concerned. <laughs> With their, their our attitudes are, we're not going to accomplish anything this week, this year. We'll just kick back and watch for a while. Mm. Yeah, which, which, which sounds like a, like a very indica moment for a lot of people. So the politicians set up an ineffective, corrupt system, and then come to find out black folks ended up getting excluded out of it because of <clears throat> racism. Racism. Well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of folks yeah. think they get the. Uh, the it's almost so simple. A lot of people in the, outside the cannabis industry say the cannabis industry originally appropriated black culture, and then when the corporations came in, and now appropriating white culture. And that is basically the way it's going right now. And that means that you know these, these button-up, white-collar corporate types seem to be taking over, and they knew that kind of thing was going to happen. They don't have a dictator. That people wonder whether the, the black farmer's license was issued, uh, the rule was issued first, or that crazy thing about the 300 plants on the bed. That came second, partly in response to the first. Ah, so so small mom and pop nurseries wouldn't be able to get in because they can't grow half a million plants. Let's, let's do a very quick history of black farming in this in, in this country right now. They, there was a major downturn in black farms and black farming since 1910. Approximately 97% of their acreage has been lost mm. due to uh, predatory uh, lending, uh, over-collateralization, high interest, and having multi-generational situations where each time they would lose more and more land when if they died intestate and gave land to the heirs, many of which didn't farm, and so the farm became smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I can speak, I mean, as a millennial, I can't speak as a, as a black person, but I can definitely speak as a millennial that uh, the credit system in this country prevents a lot of people from you know getting into business, uh, the fact that you have to go to a bank for a loan and you know uh, the the loan system in itself, you know, time and time again has been proven uh, to be systemically racist. You know, every company from Wells Fargo to J.P. Morgan Chase has been called to the carpet on Absolutely, and, and and it really doesn't stop. Now this the, you know, the way they set up the original uh, bill, you had to had to be in the, in the business for thirty years. 
Virginia hadn't been a nursery since 1987. Well, since between 1993 and 2003, which is the paper I have data from, approximately 94% of all black farmers lost all or part of their land. And that, and that includes in, in Florida. And also, we have about 400,000 plants, and we really need to have about 50, about 50 acres. Well, right now, about 85% of the black farmers in the U.S. Have, have less than 50 acres. So, so even to qualify on the original application, probably less than 10% of black farmers in Florida would even qualify. Exactly right. Wow. And the question is, with what little money they have, and with the fact that most black farmers are getting a $4,000 uh, subsidy from the government, whereas the white farmers are getting $10,000 with the government, and in fact, the black farmers oftentimes get their money towards the end of the season, so they don't get a chance to even reach the help of other states. There's obviously been continual systemic racist, racism within the, the uh, USDA and the whole situation in regards to helping farmers move forward. Yeah, I recall you know, the, the lawsuits, the Pickford lawsuit against the USDA and, and, and such. Um, it just, it's shocking to think that even in the late 21st century, as far as the 90s, the systemic racism uh, was still being called a carpet, and it still exists to this day. I mean, looking at where we're at in this society, um, people so often don't want to talk about it. They want to act like, oh, well, we saw it. We live in a post-racial America, but the systems which is which continue to drive the inequality between different socioeconomic groups, different demographics, exist, and we're seeing it in the cannabis industry. Uh, we see it in, in, in farming. We see it in banking, and it's all you know interrelated. So I just want to take a pause from the politics for a moment and and go back to our guests um, and, and talk a little bit about diversity in, in the in the different um, industries that, that, that each of them are in. Emily, I, I'll go to you first. Um, you know, as an, as an artist, do do you obviously see a diverse group of, of clients? Um, mm -hmm. You know. It, People have different melanin contents. And the skin itself is different. How do you find, you know, uh, uh, tattooing on, on on different groups of people? Like, do you, do you see that there's different techniques you need to use versus darker skin, lighter skin, you know, melanin content and such? No, it's not so much different techniques um, as far as different melanin levels in the skin. Um, it's just having a conversation and being really comfortable and real with your client about what the expectations should be out of this tattoo. Um, because obviously melanin wants to fight tattooing. It's it's there for a reason. Um, and, and so certain colors will show up brighter or darker depending on how much there is in said person's skin. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, you can you can put any color in it. I always tell people, I'll put any color you want in the world. I just can't guarantee what it's going to do. So um, yeah, it's 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 interesting uh, so working with skin and different and different shades and tones and um, and age too. And um, you know, prematurely aged skin, like living in Florida as we do, so many people. Mm -hmm. are worshippers and really just don't do a good job of taking care of their skin so they'll be my age but have the skin of like a 65 year old you know because they just worship that sunshine so that can prove to be more of a challenge in reality than um than any amount or lack of melanin in someone's skin yeah i know a lot of young ladies who got that i'm not gonna call it a tramp stamp but, but it, it's super brutal uh <laughs> tattoo that, that they got when they were in their 20s that by the time they were in their 60s they all look like seagulls <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Gary, have you been hanging out Paradise Lakes and Caliente? I'm just wondering where you're seeing these 60 year old ladies. Yes, I live in Pasco and I drive by Caliente all the time. And I wonder, you know, 
Um, She's like, go over there and count the tattoos. <laughs> well, you know, my, next is Timothy, I wanted to go over to you. You know, we, we were talking about earlier about, um, you know, gender diversity in, in the place. But, um, you know, you being over in, in North Tampa and such, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure you get a diverse customer base. Or, you know, I know you talked about the older couple. What Do you see a diversity yeah. in your customer base? I know Carlos sees a, a, a wide swath of people down here in Southern County. Yeah. Yeah, no, d definitely different than what you guys are getting out there and, and killing and the uh, vibe and energy out in Ebor. But, yeah, we, we actually have a pretty diverse, uh, definitely, you know, I'd say more of the 30 and up um which is which is awesome. I mean, really, you know, again, sort of speaks to Florida is going in the right direction. But um, you know, it, it, it's all races and ages, and I, I'd even almost say more female than male, to be honest. Now, it was interesting. Carlos, by the way, has a, a tattoo shop next door. Mm -hmm. Anybody knows about it? Tattoos. And what was kind of interesting is that a lot of people when they go to get the tattoos. So they get that plastic wrap, wrap, wrap on them, they come right over to chill them. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can recommend they, they, there's uh there's actually like there's like two point six women that come in for for an edible and a quick dab before the tattoo. <laughs> and then afterwards, and then afterwards they come in for more. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So Tiffany, do you see it? Like, what kind of businesses are around you? You know, diversity of businesses as well in like in your location. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, like, I know there's a diversity of businesses uh, down here in Ebor. What, what what kind of businesses do you have around your location? You know, just, we were just talking about the tattoo shop. Oh, yeah. Here. What do you have over so, there uh, in North Tampa? You know, we uh, not as much uh, tattoo shops. I think the, the closest one is a couple, uh, definitely several miles um, away. So, you know, we're we're like snack in the dabble, like right in the middle of uh, suburbia almost. So, you know, we've got nail salons and um, physical therapists and, you know, restaurants. And it was actually kind of hard for us to um, – find a location that would take our store and this is like two years ago most most places in north tampa did not want us there but you know i now have strip malls calling us you know weekly with open spots and very oh yeah you know come on come on down so i, I mean i think that's where my um perception of change has, uh, you know, come for that. And that was, you know, kind of also why we were excited to partner with um, the Villain Arts and Emily for the upcoming tattoo convention is to, you know, sort of vibe off of that, uh, you know, artistic uh, energy that, um, you know, comes with it and uh, get out of sort of these suburbs of, uh, of North Campus. Um, and you have the last picture show over there. Is that, is that what they still call it over there? Or? Yeah, it, it's the it, it place where you sit down mm. and, and eat and watch movies and things of that mm. sort. Like a Cinebistro. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a Cinebistro. Oh, yeah. And then, and then up the street uh, uh, from your place, there's probably the best hydroponic store in the state, practically. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Urban Roots, I believe, is the, uh, yeah, the name of Urban Roots, fantastic. Yep. Urban Roots is nice. I, I like how they, exactly. you know, they do, man, yeah. Yeah, they do customer they appreciation like events and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, Tiffany, uh, we were looking at uh, you all at Bliss Wellness are slated for a number of events here in the Bay Area, but the big one is, is coming up uh, this this weekend, Villain Arts. Tell us more about the Villain Arts Convention and, and you know, why folks should, should uh, bother coming out to it. Villain Arts. 
Yeah, so it is actually one of the largest tattoo conventions in the country. Most of the artists are actually booked that are going to be there, and they're coming from all over the world. The um, you know, uh, repertoire of, of the different caliber of artists that are going to be out there are amazing. So we are building out the Cannibalist lounge for relaxing, you know, some of that um, nervous jitters of getting a tattoo. So you can come on by, um, take a shot of our Delta 8 Bliss Nectar, gets in you in about 15 minutes and, you know, experience some of the different vapes and strains or just hanging out. There's going to be performers um, out there. We're going to have some massage, uh, chair massages going, you know, a lot of samples um, of everything. So just merging the two kind of cultures and synergies um, that can build. So the uh, convention is at the Tampa Convention Center Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, coming up. So uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty uh, excited to be out there. Yeah, that's a nice venue too. I, I brought my daughter over there to Comic-Con because she wanted to meet all those folks out there who had to have adult, you know, with her, that kind of thing. But uh, it's, it's a great, great venue. And hopefully you will also have a little case full of cushy cakes in there there that's just our <laughs> personal favorite <laughs> yeah we uh we have been teaming up with a bunch of local bakers so uh you know who makes the best brownies in the city well we've been uh supplying them with our distillate so we we've got the cake girls who's baking 500 milligram brownies for us that'll be out there we've uh, got J jack um revival by jack she uh, i met her at the gym does protein cookies wait, wait, monster wait, cookies. I, i'm sorry you oh. said 500 milligram brownies oh yeah yeah, yeah. we got oh, 500 shit. milligram brownies we've got 500 milligram stuffed cookies so if you can imagine a donut a uh, Oreo, then baked into a like marshmallow cookie, 500 oh. milligram monster stuffed cookies, but but it's got protein in there also. And it's like a CBD chocolate. <laughs> Carlos is a vegan or a vegetarian, so he, I know he'll definitely love to jump on that donut Oreo marshmallow. <laughs> that's like, use lard. Ted, Ted asked him, I counted that if there's four things in there that I love, just in yeah. one thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, that, that, and I, one, I, I, one of those things, there's 500 milligrams of <laughs> <laughs> use the hemp plant and get some of those higher concentrations. I was actually listening to one of your um, uh, older podcasts that was talking about like, you know, the gummies in some places when you got to eat a whole bunch and, you know, just to, just to feel yeah. anything. So, um, you know, there's, there's enough of a variety. So that is not an issue. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of people don't realize that like, really. Like, yeah. They don't at all. The, 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 the idea behind a 500 milligram brownie, some people hear that and like, oh my god, this person is just trying to get messed up. <laughs> no, because they were messed up. But, but there's, a, there's a good possibility that they're really fucking sick and they need 500 milligrams in order to feel better. Like, they're not the average person. The average person, maybe 500 milligrams gets themselves maybe a cut. You know what I mean? But it's, I, I mean, uh, somebody who's really sick, somebody who's really got some stomach issues, somebody that, that, that's been medicating their, for their stomach issues or their, their, for a long, long time, 
Yeah. Uh, and has built up that tolerance means that higher that higher milligram. So thank you for providing that. Yeah, and you yeah, know, we yeah. talk about chronic debilitating conditions, right? Like that's spurred the medical marijuana market. But you know, the mental health aspect, you know, Gary has commented on this many times, was not really written into the bill. So folks who are need to use cannabis and cannabinoids for their mental health, you know, oftentimes are left out of, of being able to seek. Uh, relief in the medical marijuana market. Mm -hmm. So, Tiffany, you feel a real niche for just wellness and, and mental health. Um, t tell us a little bit about like the type of customers you get. You know, do you have folks coming in there looking for products to help with anxiety or managing? You know, it's just hey, look, I got a big presentation in the morning. You know, 100 milligram gummy will do it for you. Yeah. If I may make a request for your answer, Tiffany, can you lean more towards the mushroom side of things? Because you said yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so I will say mental health is probably the largest growing category of people who are walking through the door and the age range is so wide in, you know, in inside of there and um, there is definitely other adaptogens and mushrooms that you can combine with the hemp plant and the different cannabinoids to help, um, you know, again, if it is uh, you know, if it is anxiety, you know, there's ashwagandha, there's the reishi mushrooms, there, um, you know, is different blends of magnesium um, that with L-theanine that you can you sort of use CBD as the like um, steroid to kind of ramp it up and, and make it stronger. But there's, um, you know, a lot of alternatives that can help it, but not change your personality that a lot of the chemical based stuff does. But I, I think mental health is the largest growing population that is turning to um, marijuana, to cannabis, um, you know, the, the mushroom world. I, I mean, the mushroom world is going to explode in the next two years as more states are looking at microdosing and psychedelics. Um, you know, we, we don't do any, any of that, but, you know, we've got turkey tail mushrooms, lion's mane mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms, um, two different types of reishi mushrooms, and the, you know, different different blends. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I believe possibly we could have come, you know, mushrooms are what started, you know, populated starting the you know, earth. I don't, I don't think we know what mushrooms do yet at, at, at all. We've just scratched the surface of the power of mushrooms. Well, Lots has done some fantastic studies in regards to mushrooms, especially in, in psilocins and psilocybin. But uh, the, the, the science is now growing because the interest is now growing. Well, you know, we see uh, psilocybin in, in, in the magic, folks who don't know the scientific term for the magic mushrooms, um, you know, but you don't have to utilize them as a hallucinogen. You can microdose and they work mm -hmm. really well as an anti-anxiety, antidepressant. I mean, um, in the D.C. area, they're decriminalized uh, much in the same way cannabis is. So you can, you know, go get you get you a can of mushrooms for stickers, just like you get you an eighth of cannabis for some stickers. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting to see uh, all the different hoops that, that folks jump through. And, and Timothy was talking about it earlier, you know, about here in Florida, um, you know, we have interesting uh, regulations, uh, some of the most strictest in, in the country as far as packaging and labeling, you know, because people always say, what about the kids? You know, what, are we, what about the kids? And, uh, you know, Tiffany, tell us about the, the level of professional standards you institute, because I know that's always a concern is, you know, oh, the kids are going to get off from high school and, you know, they're going to walk through the dispensary. 
Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, you got to be 21 and up, and and you know, we card we look at it as a you know, like an alcohol and a bartender, and you know, if you don't card somebody, you know, you're 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 liable. So you know, it really just has to be treated in that manner, and you know, childproof packaging on things. It's large warning labels. You know, we stick extra cards and warning things on anything that has um, psychoactive properties, um, you know, with it. So it's, it's going to be a part of our lives, I, I feel like, and, and more and more just as alcohol is. So I don't understand really why alcohol should be treated any different any differently you know so you put a warning label on alcohol you have to be carded some places you can't enter you know if you're under under age and and that's you know how we treat the cannabinoid um you know industry as well or yeah and you know with bartenders and uh, you know level of training that goes into it what, what kind of training do you provide for your staff so you know so you like to see uh, the university of folks come in and asking questions who may not be familiar with the plants yeah so you know i look at our staff as sort of like our our tribe i come from a, a medical background my family is a neurologist and uh, my partner his his uh father's a neurosurgeon i have a degree in biology so educating and i mean to me cannabinoids it's, it's it's like pure science i mean you should have degrees to be honestly be working with a lot of this you know a lot of this stuff so you know that's that's probably the hardest part is educating the staff so it's kind of like a a movement program in terms of actually getting on the floor and answering questions because you know a lot of people come with very um you know, with, with medical questions, but it's like being an herbalist, you know, you, you go to Abby's, which is a, a great health food store, and there's specialized herbalists there who are going to, you know, give you different recommendations. So that's the same thing with a bud tender who understands, um, you know, which strain might help you more for chronic pain or for PTSD, um, or, you know, again, is going to know that, uh, you know, even with women, you know, CBDA can help with certain um, menopause relief, you know, issues or, um, you know, hey, why don't you combine um, the macuna bean, which is a natural form of dopamine along with CBC, and that's going to be, you know, helpful for depression or, you know, coming off of different um, anxiety medications and going a naturalist route. So it's, uh, you know, and there's a lot of online classes you, you can take, but it's, it's, it's really like being an herbalist. Now, I find it interesting that uh, we are working uh, through a situation where most of us are actually grew up, and I hate using the expression, but having to do our own research because the actual work on these things as medicine and, and, and the natural paths were few and far between. So it was hard for us to find a situation. Now we're in a situation where everybody's trying to do their own research, whether they actually have an academic background to understand what the heck they're looking at in the first place. So do you see people who believe they're educated, but when you come when they come into your shop, you have to re-educate them? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, like I, I like to say sort of our shop is like, we've done the homework for you. Like, you, you, so you've done the research, you're into magnesium and you're going to come out with all that stuff. But like, hey, here is the best, form of magnesium and the reason why it's 
it's the cleanest, it's going to have the most bioavailability. So we, you know, I like to say we highly curated the cannabis and wellness world and put things together in pairings for you so that, you know, if you're looking for sleep, this is the sleep section. If you're looking for help in the bedroom, you know, this is our full intimacy section. So taking a lot of that um, research element out of it and doing the homework for people, we do 30 day money back guarantee on everything it's people's health so if it's not working for you you know bring it back we know our product and the quality is is there and then it's like you know that it's then it's just not right for your your body chemistry and, and it's it, you get such little returns it's it's amazing um because look the stuff works that that cannabis plant the hemp plant marijuana it it works you know mushrooms work it's just getting quality product and figuring out the right you know whether you need a microdose some people you know they absolutely need small doses throughout the day and it gets them through versus one large dose in the morning and that sets your day off right and you know and and then you're okay or it's at, at nighttime so it's kind of experimenting with our you know your body chemistry well you know i, I just love the fact that what you're doing uh, feels such a, a, a mainstream niche for folks to normalize this culture. I mean, you know, you talked about uh, products that help with, um, you know, female conditions, uh, uh, issues that folks might have. Um, you talked about, you know, issues uh, with, with intimacy. And I mean, you know, thinking about where we were culturally just a decade ago, those are the type of things that, you know, here in Tampa, you find probably like an adult bookshop, mm-hmm. you know, or adult yeah. film shop. You know, but but now you have places like like Bliss Wellness. You have places like Chillum where you 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 can be separated from from the underground culture, and you can you can you know embrace your own health and wellness. You know, without having to go to some seedy adult bookstore uh, to pick up intimacy pills or or, or find you know energy drops. Uh, you know, to to help you through the day. And on the other side, you're not uh, recommending antiparasitics to people who do not have any parasites. Yeah. So, so Tiffany, occasionally there are three master's degrees up on the stage. Gary's is in public health. Mine's in public administration. Carlos is in business. But, but the one thing Gary cannot stand is is uh, people uh, taking uh, horse dewormer uh, uh, for COVID treatments. It, it drives them up the wall. Or anti-malarial, for that matter. Yeah. Leave it to the folks that have malaria to use that. Uh, it makes sense. So, but you know, I think I think it's important, like you said earlier. Um, you talked about your background and your family's background and credentials and stuff, and I think that's part of the mainstream of it. In society here in America, like nobody respects anybody without credentials in, in, in a lot of ways. And and so you you're coming to this business with credentials. You come to this business with a with a real scientific outlook on everything, and I think that helps normalize it. You know, like we were talking before about. Uh, taking it from counterculture to the mainstream culture. So we appreciate yeah. uh, what you're doing, especially in the area that you're doing it. You said it before, you know, Carlos here in Seventh Avenue, that's one type of culture, but <coughs> North Tampa, I ran for state rep out in that area and knocked doors and the neighborhoods like Lake Magdalene and such. And yeah. So you're fulfilling a totally different niche than the you're going to get here in Equal yeah. City or in East Tampa. It's been a, it, it's been an adventure. I will I will tell you sort of uh, getting in, but it's it's crazy. We we do Tampa Moms events. We're at the family YMCA. Two years ago, they would not have us at their turkey run. You know, oh no no no. Yeah, I know we got kicked out for a birthday event one time as a normal chapter. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
For something yeah, that we're, we're, like yeah, we're, we're front and center now, and it, it is great. I mean, we did the uh, Tampa Mom Fall Festival uh, right. about two weeks ago, and, um, you know, I don't think they could be sort of prouder to show sort of like alternative, you know, it, it more and more again, especially with COVID, you know, people are, they, they don't, people don't know what to do. You know, kids don't like going in crowds anymore. They don't, uh, they're having trouble sleeping. They don't want to go back to school with, uh, you know, a lot of people. And, you know, if the hemp plant will help, and it's not going to do any harm. They are open to it. And physicians are a little bit recommending or saying, you know, I, I just don't think they, they know what, you know, they know what, what to do and they understand enough about cannabinoids. So, you know, that's kind of my sort of next tackling almost is I'm like, you know, you almost need, um, I don't want to say drug reps, but but seriously, I, I guess a drug rep to go and educate the um, physician community so that they feel comfortable talking about it. You know, because because that's where a lot of the first questions are are asked, whether it's in the um, uh, psychiatrist or just wellness, you know, practitioners. Yeah, well, that's how Carlos and I first met was through cannabis education. And that was something that, as we were designing curriculum together, we saw that, you know, our medical schools in, in this country are severely, you know, underrepresenting the value of, of uh, you know, manipulating the endocannabinoid system and mm -hmm. health and wellness. And not enough doctors being taught. I mean, there's a, you know, a few here in the Bay Area, like Dr. Greg Gergerman, who teaches classes and such. But, you know, you, you can count on one hand how many medical schools across the country actually take a deeper dive into um, you know, the cannabinoid therapy, when it is such a, a revolutionary form of therapy that we see in other countries like Spain, Israel, Italy, you know, uh, other European countries that are using this to treat everything from brain cancer to arthritis to, to you know, everyday issues like just getting a good night's sleep. You know, for mm -hmm. me, as, as someone who, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty big over the years and pre-diabetic, uh, getting up to go to the bathroom and getting a good night's sleep is a pain in the ass. Having to get up every two hours to use the bathroom, you know. But in, in utilizing cannabis as a therapy, getting a six to eight hours of solid sleep is just absolutely amazing. Important. Yeah, and, and it, you know, you talked about it earlier is that uh, you got a lot of millennial moms coming in with kids with issues. I mean, you know, they dope the kids up with Adderall, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, the doctors, the mainstream docs. You know, but then there's folks who are about health and wellness. If you could give a kid a CBD tincture to help them sleep at night because they've been hyped up on Adderall all throughout the day, you know, I think that that's a, definitely a, a big, big uh, step forward in the community. And we appreciate you stepping up to fulfill that role. And here's a question I hope you have the answer to. And that is, of all the products you have there, do you see any templated products that are being uh, grown and processed and packaged here in Florida from the new hemp farmers who got their licenses only a few years ago? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The the I'd say over the last 365 days, the amount of Florida hemp that is coming has um, definitely grown. I mean, I, I think Florida for for CBD again has. I mean, there's processing places, you know, part of all, you know, popping up um, all over. We're part of the um, Florida Hemp Association and stuff. So I definitely think that there is a lot more Florida product being packaged, uh, grown, 
contracted um, out here. We actually have a licensed hydroponic grow out in Luke. Um, just, a, just a baby, uh, baby grow, but kind of getting into that has, um, you know, o opened up relationships of, of seeing how much um, hemp is, is coming. I mean, it'd be great if Florida could keep as much, uh, you know, instead of kind of bringing in from all the other, other states, um, you know, a, as much as possible. Are you able to sell off your herd and vast uh, biomass, you know, everything that's not, that's, that's not seeds and, and leaves? I, I'm so sorry, I couldn't. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, in, in your grow, are you able to sell off the biomass of the herd and the, and the vast, you know, the, the fiber and the, uh, and, and the bark, so to speak, as opposed to just the, the flowers, leaves, and seeds, where everybody else is making CBD products out of those? Yeah, no, so uh, the the biomass, the fiber content and the leaves and all that is is amazing. Actually, so our um, how we kind of got into our hydroponics grow, there is a, um, a gentleman, his name is Marvin, who's been in the uh, grow industry, not with hemp so much, um, doing microgreens. And he, uh, his microgreens go to very high and um, like the Ritz Carlton's and stuff. And he got into growing the hemp because of the fiber content that he puts into these, you know, super high end microgreens that are shipped all across the United States. And, you know, so tasty the blend that you get with the hemp leaf in there, but you don't actually even have to use like salad dressing and stuff. So, I mean, the biomass is like, a, it's just a whole other you know, uh, market and revenue stream that can be used in the, um, you know, the wellness world. You know, we, we've actually been um, tossing around doing a uh, sort of local celebrity chef cannabis uh, infused dinner for charity during the holiday seasons. And we've talked to a couple of different uh, restaurants that are like dying to, you know, you, you know, and, and use the uh, leaves for, for, um, you know, decor and, you know, flavoring, you know, from CBD all the way up to, you know, the Delta eight and, you know, in different ways. So I, you know, that, that's what the biomass is a huge, um, I, again, I think growing market niche. Yeah. I mean, this uh, plant and product uh, has, you know, we, we don't want to say necessarily endless, but there is such a diversity of uses and products that can be made. Um, and that means there's a lot of money to be made. We just need mm -hmm. folks brave enough to, to continue to step up on the public policy side of things and support that. And so, you know, you all as business owners definitely uh, continue to put pressure. You know, we're glad you're a big part of the, you know, the Hemp Alliance and such of, um, you know, just being able to, to continue to, to put pressure on the Department of Agriculture to, to regulate this property and allow y'all to, everyone to thrive and, 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 you know, and fulfill the roles that they're doing. You know, uh, Tiffany, with the Villain Arts uh, coming up again, tell everybody about uh, Villain Arts this weekend and where they can uh, check out this wellness uh, at the convention and then uh, where they can catch you when you're, when you're not at the convention. Yeah, so uh, Villain Arts Tattoo Convention is happening this Friday through Sunday, uh, October 22nd through the 24th. You can come visit the Cannibalist Lounge out there. Um, we've got some uh, different types of um, products that the uh, Emily, the Ink Mistress, has designed um, for hashtag cannibalist and all the proceeds go to the Suncoast Normal. And if you can't make it, come visit us out at Bliss Wellness Market. We're located 
on Northdale Mabry, just uh, north of Fletcher Avenue. There's a big mural on the uh, side of our building. I think one of the only murals actually in North Tampa, um, out on, on the side of the building, there's a big bee and uh, uh, flowers. So um, yeah, come check us out. And uh, what's your hours of operation when, when you open up there? We are, uh, yeah, so we're seven days a week, uh, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Fantastic. Well, check out uh, Bliss Wellness and definitely uh, the Can Bliss Lounge at the Tattoo uh, Villain Arts Convention this weekend. Sounds uh, like a lot of fun. And we really appreciate your support of Suncoast Normal and the movement. And, uh, you know, we, we lost uh, Emily here on the feed, but uh, shout out to the Ink Mistress uh, for joining us on the show today. Um, so glad to have uh, you know everyone uh, you know really just stepping up to help build this culture. You know Tampa has a rich history of cannabis culture, and you know cannabis culture is so often uh, can get a bad rap uh, when the forces that be are in power uh, that that don't support it. But it's nice to see people doing things the right way, uh, supporting their community. And so a uh, big shout out to Miss Wellness uh, for supporting the cannabis community uh, and to Emily Elgato, uh, the Ink Mistress, uh, to support you. And to all of you listening, you know, Suncoast Normal is a membership-based organization. We're only as strong as our membership. So we ask each and every person, you know, uh, to contribute uh, their time, their treasure, or their talent uh, to Suncoast Normal to make it happen. And uh, as you can see here, you know, everyone here is, is really passionate about this. Um, all of us in our lives have had a, a family member or friend um, who have their lives touched um, in a certain way uh, by a debilitating and chronic condition, which we've seen cannabis uh, alleviate and give people a better quality of life, um, even in our own personal lives. And so that's why we continue to do what we do. We continue to fight for the patients. None of us up here at Suncoast Normal take a dime to do anything we do, which is not that we don't want to. <laughs> you know, Gary, wants that Gary, Gary wants to make sure we got we got gas in the van so we can get up to Tallahassee there you go. Uh, to lobby and, and engage with our elected officials. Uh, Gary has been an amazing political director, bringing his, his public health expertise uh, to each and everything that we do and continue to push uh, legislation that's going to benefit people. You know, people so often think, oh, well, it's legal now and things are changing. But so often, you know, like, like Tiffany said, you said it earlier, uh, things can change so quickly. And, and we have so much more work to do uh, mm -hmm. with employment protections. You know, people shouldn't be fired from their jobs for using cannabis as a wellness product. Um, yep, know, not right. You know, uh, people should not be discriminated against in their health care uh, uh, decisions because they use cannabis as a wellness product. Um, you know, Gary and I worked on a bill which will prevent people from getting kicked out of their nursing homes and getting kicked off of their uh, pain management plans. And even worse, the most egregious, people getting kicked off the organ donation transplant list uh, for utilizing cannabis as a wellness product. So we have so much more work to do to protect patients here in Florida. And so, Tiffany, thank you and thank Emily uh, for supporting that mission here at Suncoast Normal. We appreciate y'all. Um, and we definitely want to invite you all to also become business members with us and, uh, and definitely continue to support. Uh, we would love to work with you on some of these future events. I know you got some, some big events coming up and, and also smaller ones, which is awesome. The fact that you can do you know, yoga with moms uh, uh, <laughs> as well as I, I thought was pretty cool. And then you got big things that are happening at the fairgrounds and such uh, next month. So, um, you know, we appreciate you coming on the show and we look forward to having you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks you guys. Can't wait to meet in person. Indeed. Well, have a great one and everyone jump into rotation next Sunday and each and every Sunday uh, here with Suncoast Normal. Love you, peace. Yeah.
join suncoastnormal at suncoastnormal.org. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. All by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.